0: So what are you waiting for? Let's get ready to thrive. Hello and welcome to Ready to Thrive. I am so excited to be sitting here uh, with Katie Westenberg, and she is the author of "I Choose Brave," embracing holy courage and understanding godly fear. And um, I normally don't start a podcast this way, but but I'm going to do something a little bit different. And um, Katie, I just want to say that you have hashtag hair goals um, <laughs> as I have seen your Instagram photos and now I know everybody's going to be like what I need to check her out so it's Katie Westenberg um, now don't get distracted going over to Instagram come back pay attention to the podcast but um, you have the most beautiful hair
1: <laughs> and I, and I you know totally caught me by surprise there and you're seeing me on Zoom wrapped up in a ponytail today, I so I didn't even do it justice. I wasn't planning on this, Jacqueline.
0: You know what? It's okay. <laughs> you don't have to show me. I actually was reading this morning in Deuteronomy, um, and it was in the Ten Commandments. It's like, don't envy your neighbor's like wife or land. And I was like, probably hair is in there too. But um, definitely Katie Katie has my dream hair. This is, you know, I think that's my my girl's dream hair as well. They all have that kind of idea of what... You know, and I'm just like, girls, you know, for some of us, this just is not, not the way our cards have been dealt. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> anyway, so people I'm sure are going to be checking you out. Um, and normally, of course, we don't go that route. We're going to be talking about all of your lovely words. Um, so tell me a little bit more about yourself, um, who you are, where you are in the world right now, your family, all that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, I'm from Washington State, and I was born... Gosh, 20 miles from where I live now. So I have traveled the world really far and wide in my days. And I live in the non Seattle part of Washington state. That's the way I like to explain it because people tend to just think of Washington and think of Seattle and rain. And it's actually quite dry. And the weather's pretty lovely where I live. So I love the Pacific Northwest. I love the mountains here and the rivers. And um, I've been married 19 years now to the same man. So that's been. Um, a fun adventure and we have four children my youngest is eight and then they are 10 12 and 15.
0: awesome i love that description actually of where you live because i think you're actually getting the best of both worlds you get that dry um, beautiful weather but then you're really close to the ocean as well and all of the beautiful pacific northwest so i love that now your book is i choose brave um Why this book and this message? Can you tell me a little bit more about how this book sort of came about?
1: Yeah, yeah. So early on when I started writing, when I started a blog, um, this was the first topic that even popped into my head. I wasn't intending to start a blog. I had written actually for an essay contest on a whim about being brave. And this was kind of when, I guess, Brene Brown's work started coming out and the need for courage and, um, and I appreciated some aspects of her work, but I have always believed the Bible to be the total truth. And so I've always taken it the approach of the biblical foundation for courage. And I really didn't intend to, to write a book at that time, um, to, to grow this ministry in any way at that time. I just thought this is a quiet space where I can grow a craft. My kids are pretty young, five years ago. And so I thought I could, I could do this quietly and then maybe when they are grown this is something I could do Sally Clarkson is the mentor from afar that I just love and that's kind of the way she did it so I thought oh when my kids are older it will turn into more but God has just given me more and more opportunities to not only write about it but to grow in this in my own life like what does a biblical foundation for courage look like so really just out of that faithfulness the book came from there I love that
0: um now, can you unpack that a little bit? What does a biblical foundation for courage really look like? Yeah,
1: yeah. So I, I just think bravery in general is a compelling idea, and, and not just as believers, but to the entire world. That's, this is why we see the little Be Brave signs in home decor stores, because it is compelling. And really, that sort of courage and confidence is sold in marketing far and wide toward women, particularly, we love that kind of confidence, and we're drawn to it. But really, the difference I have seen is um, in the progressive nature of Christianity and the world in general, when we see things that do not align with the gospel being called out as brave. So just bad behavior in general. And and when we line that up with truth, we think, is that really brave? And I thought, if that's what courage is, when we see someone going against God's law, and the world saying, hey, that's brave, then it makes me think I want nothing to do with that, because that's not the same courage we see outlined in scripture that we see in joshua or abraham or moses or isaiah i want to know what that is what is different about that so it was really just unpacking that scripture and as i did at that same time the lord was really moving my heart to understand what it means to fear him so that's where the other component of what does it mean to fear the lord
0: and have courage from that place that's kind of where it came from wow um that was such a powerful statement what you were um, just unpacking there. Um, and I don't think we hear that a lot, that idea of um, of what does it really look like to, to choose brave from a godly perspective. And you're right, we can, we can be really easily swayed by what the world is saying is brave. And, um, you know, I'm a huge fan of... Uh, reading about the story of the Israelites, I keep getting drawn back to um, who they are. And I I think when I was younger, I used to read about them and think, um, why are they so dumb? Like, how come they didn't just like follow God all the way? And, you know, we read about these things where it's like, um, there were prophets who were talking to them and saying like, hey, you need to uh, follow God all the way, or you're not fearing the Lord, or you're not doing this. And, And you can look at them and say, why didn't you do this? Like, why didn't you follow? But then, um, and you read about how they were swayed by their culture and linking in with their neighbors, the ones that God has specifically said not to. And then I have to pause and think, in what ways have I done the same thing? Like, in what ways have I easily sort of drifted towards um, what everybody else in my world is doing? And I think what you've said there is is very true that it's, it's actually tricky because it's part of Christian culture as well. Right. And so it gets very hard to discern the truth from what's not true. And I, my assumption is that if I asked you, you'd say, well, we just go back to the word, right? Like that's how we're going to. um, But would you, was there anything more you would share about that? Like if people are feeling like, Hey, am I being more drawn to what culture is saying is true than the Bible? What would you say to those women? Yeah, it is
1: tricky. And I love what you said about the Israelites. I think I talked specifically about that in the book that we disdain them until we realize that we are them, right? Like it just becomes like, oh, how is this exact same thing happening? And I think a lot of times we look at the world and look at what's going on in the world and then try to come back to scripture and say like, wait, okay, so where where is this? Does this align? I don't even, can I just like pick a verse and see how this adds up? So we kind of have a worldview of the Bible rather than being committed to learning and knowing truth and letting that be the lens through which we view the world. So it's kind of turning it around like, I want to know the world word. Do I know it completely? Do I know it fully? Absolutely not. Like this isn't living an active word. And I think that's both, I had someone ask me about this the other day, like, how do you ever feel like you know enough? Like I just keep on reading the word and thinking there's so much I don't know. Yes, that's very true. There's so much I don't know, but that's also the gift of continually growing in truth and knowledge, right? I can keep on going back to the word and mining it for the current culture, the current situation, the current struggle that I'm in and saying, Lord, what does this mean? And so I can keep on reading and keep on knowing, keep on understanding, and it grows with us. So it's just really staying rooted in the word, grounded in the word, and then applying that to the world, going with the lens of scripture before we move out into the
0: world. Yeah. So for the person who feels like, okay, I, I don't know where to start or how do I even approach the word? Like you were saying, instead of kind of picking a verse and saying, how do I get this to match something? Um, is there any advice or any thoughts you'd share with that woman who like how we can kind of approach the word of God? Yeah. Yeah. It's a little
1: intimidating, right? <laughs> How am I going to know all this? Because I'd like to know it all right now. Um, I remember when I was a much younger mom, watching older moms in the faith. And as like, even as they pray, they'd pray scripture. I'm like, how did they do that? Did they like read the verse before they came? Like, how does this just come out of them? And um, it's something I began praying for. I don't know how you get here where like scripture is so hidden in my heart that my thoughts and my words and my prayers start to become aligned with the word. And I, I really did want it to happen overnight, but uh, fruit grows slow. And so it is just a daily faithfulness. And it, that has looked a million different ways and a million different seasons. I have four kids and there were times where they didn't sleep through the night. So it's different now where I have more time to study, um, but being committed to it, whether it's five minutes or an hour, I'm going to be committed to knowing you. I'm going to be committed to being faithful, God, because you said, you. I know you are faithful. So I'm going to show up and I'm going to tuck a little tiny word in my heart And then I'm going to say that through the day. I'm going to proclaim that over situations I see. And then the fruit grows from there. It's been interesting to think as I've grown, so I'm 40 now. And sometimes those verses do come to light in prayer. And I think, oh my goodness, where did that come from? Like the word does not return void. And so it's just his faithfulness, his fruits growing slow. It didn't happen overnight, but being faithful in it. And uh, one way that has worked really, really well for me is reading the Bible in completion, cover to cover. That was the first. And I was so intimidated to do that. And it doesn't work, again, for every season of life. But you can listen to it on audio. You can take it really slow. You can do it in a year. But it was the first time where I started just taking in the Bible in large, large chunks. Like, I want to devour this a little faster. And there are times and seasons where I go back and and study it much more slowly, too. But really taking in the whole, the entirety of Scripture um, was kind of a game changer for me personally.
0: I think that's so good. Um, and I think we begin to get a fuller picture of who God is in that way. Um, so I I love that. One of the things I was thinking before I want to dive into fear uh, is you have a, a chapter in your book where you actually talk about humility. And um, I think even as you were talking about approaching the word, I think that's part of it as well as um, even really approaching the word. And having our heart posture be that of humility. Um, And so that's in some ways that how do we um, how do we approach God? Um, And you have this, sorry, how do you approach God and how do you approach the word? It it comes from this posture of humility. And so you have this quote I wanted to read. um, It's from page 121. It says, We are called to submit ourselves both to God and others as an act of humility produced by godly fear. So, really, this heart posture of humility. Um, you say our healthy relationships to others is born out of a proper fear of God. And this is the product not simply of conformed actions, but a transformed heart. And so I just love that um, you're encompassing so much there, but it really is that there's this surrender, the submitting as we as we have that humility to God in his word. That actually transforms our relationships mm-hmm. so i'm just wondering how that's kind of played out in your life that act of humility
1: yeah it that is um something that's definitely counter-cultural right because we live in a me false first culture and and we got to have the confidence and it's got to be in us but um the natural result of fearing the lord it's, it's a position of giving him full authority and authorship of our life. So earlier in the book, we talk about someone worth fearing. Do we even understand how big and how great God is? Like, do we understand the holiness of who he is? And that's a question I had to stop and ask myself because I think we have, when you talked about reading the entirety of scripture and how that really changes our thoughts, we have, you know, God has this nature where he's close and the Bible says that he is our friend but he's also big and expansive and so incredibly powerful. And I think we have this tendency to magnetize toward one characteristic or another, one attribute of God or another. So he's close and he's comfortable and he's relational. And I'm just gonna tell God what I think. And and David did some of that in the Psalms. We know that he is but we don't balance that with the magnitude of who he is, because it's hard for hold for us to hold both of those in our hand at the same time. We don't see that a lot. We don't have a lot of experiences of both of those in our culture. There is none like him. So we're trying to encapsulate all of that. And so sometimes we just gravitate the pendulum swings toward one or the other. And um, so, Fearing him is understanding both, and it's just the magnitude of who he is. When we read Psalm 29, when we read Isaiah 40 and realize that he holds the oceans in the palm of his hands, I want to sit with that for a minute, and how could that not be humbling? Like, I don't do that, and so I'm not going to look for strength in myself anymore, I'm going to look for strength in the one who holds the ocean in the palm of his hands like this is a choice i have why would i choose more of me when i could have more of him and that humility changes my heart begins in my heart as i begin to fear him and that can't help but change how we respond to others
0: yeah that's so good i thought of um, even god's response to Job at one point where he's like were you there actually when i laid the foundation of the world and it's like no okay that's a good one um yeah now you talk about uh, fear and I think, again, this culture that we live in that says, like, be fearless, be fearless. Um, and we do actually see, you know, um, many people said there's a do not fear for every day of the, of the year. Like 365 days it says in the Bible not to fear. Um, but then it also talks a lot about actually fearing God. And so this morning, I just happened to be reading, like I said, in Deuteronomy, and in Deuteronomy six, I was just reading along and I knew we were um, going to talk today and it stood out to me. There's three times that it actually called to fear the Lord. And you mentioned this in your book too, like being open, opening your eyes to how many times it actually calls us to fear. Um, so could you unpack all of that a little bit?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So how that happened for me is the exact same thing that you're saying. When I started taking in the Bible in, in um, broader amounts, I guess, I started noticing, I think I asked my mom the first time, like, why, why does it say this so much? I was raised in the church and, um, and familiar, you know, had heard plenty of sermons, sat in a lot of Sunday pews, and um, wondered, why does it say this so much? And I don't hear much about it. Like, we hear about the command not to fear over and over and over again, but it's actually almost as many times that we are called and we are told who we are to fear. And just the lack of, of my own understanding. And, and how much I've heard about it um, really called me to attention at that point. I, and it's almost like when um, I, I was surprised at how easily and quickly I could gloss over those scriptures. Oh, okay, that means respect or something, whatever. Let's just keep on going. I don't really understand that. I don't need to, whatever. Um, but when I started to notice, it's almost like when you're pregnant, And all of a sudden you start seeing pregnant women everywhere, or you get a certain car and all of a sudden you start seeing that car. I just, it was jumping off the page for me. Like, Oh, so I just started underlining and underlining and studying. And yeah, it's, it's very apparent. And I love hearing that from people who read the book because they might've glossed over it too. And then all of a sudden, Oh wait, maybe it's just an old Testament thing. Oh no, there it is. in the new Testament too. And, and the call
0: is real and it is throughout scripture. So it
1: definitely is important.
0: Yeah. So what would you say then um, about this, culture that we have of fearlessness or, um, you don't have any fear. So yet we do experience fear. So, How do we kind of wrestle with some of those things? The putting it all in the pot, right? It's like, don't fear, fear God. Oh, fear is real. Um, how do you kind of, how do you speak to some of that?
1: Yeah, we go through that in the book, just talking about the definition of fear and establishing that it is real, right? This is a real and natural response to certain situations. If I am standing on a boat and there are sharks swarming below me and I'm thinking about jumping into that water, what I'm feeling in my body is visceral. I can feel the effects. My heart is pounding. If I hear a noise outside and I'm home alone and I think, you know, all kinds of things are going on in my head, that we have like, actual responses in our body that God created to um, respond in a certain way to certain situations. So the whole idea of just be fearless, well, that's kind of thrown out the door because these are actually natural and healthy responses that protect us. So what we move toward in the book is that fear is directional. It's always pointing towards something. So what we are not to fear and what you can see throughout scripture is what is horizontal. So it's just the direction of our fear. Am I going to fear what other people think of me? Am I going to fear potential harm or damage to my family? And what does that fear point toward? So is it pointing toward my, um, my need to look good? my need for control of a situation because it's always rooted in something. And our call throughout scripture to fear is always horizontal. The only thing we are to fear is the Lord. And so it's moving that fear. The transition here is moving that fear from what is horizontal to he who is
0: vertical. Well, I love that. I love that you really unpack that idea of acknowledging fears we have. It doesn't help to just say, oh, no, 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 that's not a real thing. Um, acknowledging those fears, but that we actually are able to then move from that place of the horizontal fear to the vertical fear, which in many ways actually um, helps eliminate the horizontal fear, right? As we are able to, um, and I think that's part of why we, you know, we go to God with those fears. We bring them to him. We open our hands and surrender. I know for myself um, as a mom, and I think Every single mom can relate. We have these fears about our kids. And um, you know, it can either start, um, I know that's a big part of your story, it can start while they're in the womb. Um, and for me, um I had a miscarriage um pretty early on um in my second pregnancy. And so then I remember in my third pregnancy, um, uh, I was incredibly fearful. And every um every kind of pain, I mean you have all these weird pains when you're pregnant. Um, and so every pain I was like, oh, I I think the baby has died or this has happened or something. And, um, I remember saying to my midwife at the time, I was like, but that's normal, right? And she was like, well, and so she booked me in with, um, going to see a counselor. And this counselor said, you know, every time, every time you, um, have this fear, right? Like what if we kind of reframe it instead of this, this is what's happened. She said, "What, what if you just say like, thanks, thanks God for the, Life that's growing inside of me, or like really speaking up the truth. Um, and that was really helpful for me because I think I definitely had gone to these what ifs, worst case scenarios. That was how I was programmed again because that place of fear. And um, there was a point where I really had to sit with God and I had to open my hands with my kids. And this has been probably the main thing that has helped me with my mother anxiety, um, is just saying. Here are my kids, God. And again, it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean bad things aren't gonna happen. It doesn't mean hard and painful things aren't gonna happen, but I am, I am releasing the control. I'm releasing that. And um, the very first time I did that, I opened my hands. I said, here, I think it was my oldest, I said, here's my daughter. And then I closed my hands again and said, but please keep her safe. And so that prayer has taken, and I when I talk to him and I just say, you know, it's don't expect that to be a super easy thing um or it'll be easy right away and um i notice with myself if i find myself being very anxious about one of my kids in a situation or if i'm waking up in the middle of the night with really fearful um thoughts about one of them and something that could happen again it's that heart posture that surrender and as i release those horizontal fears you'd say it does become vertical um and it's learning to trust god more and i think as we as we read the bible as we're taking it and we're spending time with god we are actually growing in that trust Um, but it doesn't mean that hard things don't happen and so um, for you that's part of your story and how have you um how have you kind of learned to in some ways similarly like release your kids to god or have that um vertical fear yet still having walked through something very painful.
1: Yeah, it it doesn't happen overnight. And I think that's, That's important to mention as you did, because just even like we want to assimilate all of scripture and all the wisdom of scripture overnight, uh, we want to overcome challenges overnight, but it's always a process of learning to trust the Lord. And we see that throughout scripture and the examples we've been given. It's never just one moment and then boom, like there's ups and downs and there's, there's little backslides and there's all kinds of stuff going on. So with Alice and my daughter that I talk about in the book, the process was never it's not the perfect story of how I handled it perfectly and go out and mail it follow this example there were definitely points of doubt definitely points of questioning um, and even just frustration and in, in the years or two after that um, that I was disappointed with maybe how I handled the situation like ah, oh, if I only had more faith at that time if I only I kind of put a guard up around my heart and community at that time I remember my mom saying years later that I kind of felt like I lost my daughter for a year And some of that was just processing grief in the only way I knew how. Um, And so sometimes I thought, you know, if I would have let people in more, you just do what you can in those situations. But here's the interesting thing. So this was 14 years ago now. And just this last year was actually another year of a wild season for us of the unexpected. My dad, who's been super healthy, had a heart attack and had a surgery that didn't go well. And um, we thought we were gonna lose him several times, ended up having another surgery, ultimately a heart transplant. This is like a big wild season that we didn't see coming. But at the same time, I'm working on the editing for this book and thinking, you know, so I'm writing it, but kind of living the act of surrender again and asking those same questions. God, what am I holding on to more tightly than I'm holding on to you? And it was so beautiful to see nothing. It's okay. I had never felt the veil between heaven and earth so thin as it was in that situation. Like you are so near and you might take my dad. And if that's what needs to happen, I know who you are on the other side of this. I've been through this and I know who you are and you are faithful. And so just to see that growth, I did not see that with Allison 14 years ago. And sometimes I lamented it, but again, fruit grows slow. And so he is growing and changing you and faith isn't like we turn the corner and boom, I'm good now. It's a constant process, but we do see growth over the long term.
0: That's so good. I um, was experiencing something um, in COVID, uh, just a f- situation in a friendship, and even discerning some lies from truth. And um, I was frustrated that I was going through something that I felt like I'd already gone through before. Um, but then I realized. I said to my husband later, I was like, "Oh no, I actually was able to discern the truth from a lie so much quicker, and actually not get into that same pit of, you know, spiraling or whatever might have gone on." And so I think sometimes we have to like you said, like recognize it doesn't mean hard things aren't still coming our way. Um, but that we are, we have a firm foundation. And as we continue to be growing with God, there are going to be those things that we can say, okay, this is how, um, how I'm able to navigate this season, how I'm able to let go, but also hold onto your hand. And, um, yeah, I also, I can definitely relate to the, um, editing, editing your work, but also needing your own words. Um, and I find that often happens with uh, writers. You hear about people say like, we, we need the words that we've written in another season to encourage us. Um, so I, I really love that. I want to speak to, as we kind of wrap it up, I want to speak to the women who are in, um, really feel like they've been stuck in a place of fear in this COVID season. Um, And I really hope that women know that um, it's actually very normal and natural to have feelings of anxiety and depression and fear in this very um, uncertain time, right? Like I think we can also have a bit of shame that comes with like, why haven't I just, like you said before, why didn't I handle um, my grief better? Why didn't I... Um, And so what would you say to women who are just feeling like, hey, I feel like I'm actually really stuck in that place of horizontal fear. I don't know what's going to happen with health. I don't know what's going to happen with schooling my kids or um, job situations. What would you encourage uh, that woman in?
1: Well, first of all, I would say that this is a scary time. Like this isn't just, it's so unique in that many times of seasons of suffering that we go through are really personal and individualized, you know, when my dad was having heart trouble, that was kind of my family's thing that we're going through this rough spot or when I was having a high risk pregnancy that's affecting me and the people that love me, but but really you specifically. So it is so unique to be in this season where we are all impacted by something globally. It kind of blows my mind that this book even landed because you signed book contracts a couple of years before the books come out. So I had no idea that it would be published right now. We'd be talking, I'd have a chance to talk about fear and courage at a time like this. But um, I would pay really close attention to your reflexes. What are my reflexes? Sometimes we marginalize our fear. This isn't a big deal. Oh, you know, I'm making too big of a deal of this. So we just argue with ourselves and our brain. Sometimes we compare with others. You know, I cut my finger off today. Well, she doesn't even have a hand. So I shouldn't be sad about my finger. You know, it's a big deal to lose a finger. So whatever it is, we try to like um, minimize it by comparing to someone else's. Um, and we just think it's a mind game or we try to just toughen up on our own. We try to bootstrap our brave and think if only I could, if I'm, I'm going to get up and do it today, I'm going to, we talk about in the, pon- or in the book, I'm going to tighten my ponytail and carry on and it's all in us. So what is my reflex? How do I naturally respond to scary situations? And then the second step would be to take a greater view, take a pause and understand who God is here. Am I understanding who he is? What is what is my practical understanding? I had a situation recently where I was kind of nervous about the book coming out and feeling some anxiousness. And I'm not necessarily prone to anxiousness, probably because I've walked through some of these things. But I was talking about it with a friend, and she said, "I want to ask you one question: Who are you believing God is in this moment?" And talk about like cutting right to the point of the issue. Who am I believing God is in this moment when I am worried about school and I'm worried? I'm saying that God, you are not big enough. To meet my kids there. God, I don't really believe that you're faithful enough to see me through this, God. Like this is my practical theology that I'm living out on a daily basis. And I know it's not even true. So I need to turn back to those scriptures, turn back to, like you said, in Job, excellent passage, Psalm 29, Isaiah 40. I want to get a view of who you are here, God. And I'm going to keep on repeating it and reading it until it is my lived out practical theology. I'm going to pray these words over and over because this is who you are. And I want to live like it's it's true. So it's making that conscious effort and moving from there.
0: Yeah, I love that. I think that has been um, something I have had to do again and again in this season. Is again almost coming back up to that, like I t- call it like thirty thousand foot view, like coming up higher with God. Like what what is happening in this season? Oh yeah, looking at my life, like you've been faithful throughout my life, throughout Scripture. Um, not getting so focused. And, and some of it does take discipline, like you said, going back and reading the word and remembering what is true. It is very easy to uh, really get our minds um, just really sucked into media, all forms of media, and have that be our truth. And so um, for me, I generally am pretty disciplined in... Not absorbing a lot of media, but I know, um especially that very first week that COVID hit, I was like refreshing my news feed, and I'm like, I don't even generally look at this, but I like my news app. I'm looking for more. I'm looking for the answers here, and that was just creating a lot of anxiety in me. And so, um, my, as my husband and I have journeyed uh, over these last you know six months or so of um, what's been going on, we. Um, we both have had to be way more disciplined in many aspects of our lives to maintain a sense of mental health and physical health. Um, and we can see, um, you know, we can see that in others of all ages being really wrapped up, whether it is on Instagram or in conspiracy theories or things like that. So being able to come back to, uh, what is true is the word is actually really healing for our minds. Um, so I love that you said that. Um, Last question, you are a busy mom of four. so you have four kids, you are homeschooling them in your regular life. How do you um, how do you thrive in your everyday life? what are some practical things you do and then also how do you stay connected to God as a busy mom? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think making time and scheduling. Um, times for
1: me to be filled is really, really important. So again, I said that changes in the season right now where my youngest is eight, um, I'm they're not getting up insanely early. I remember those years where they'd get up at 5.30 in the morning and man, that was a heart battle because I'd be there on the couch with my Bible camera read and then there crawls a kid out of bed and i'd be so convicted because my first thought was oh like if you i just had these moments and so it, that was a, a struggle working that out with the lord like this is what you've given me <laughs> but no any mom that's there eventually they sleep they do they sleep later so I have early morning time with the lord and I, I trade sleep for time just to set my heart and set my thoughts and talk to him and pray and get some of my work done for the day so that that's really important to me and then in our home, because we homeschool, we also have a hard stop right after lunch where I read aloud. And then we have quiet reading times as a family. So for 30 minutes, and man, it's, it's hard to make this happen every day, but that is my goal for 30 minutes to quiet the house. We put music on and everyone, it's called read or rest. You can sleep or you can read. And those are your two options. And if it's not read or rest, we're not doing it. So, and and I use that for myself and I grab a book and I, and there's many other things I could be doing, but it's an intentional choice knowing that if I'm going to continue to pour out, I have to be filled. And so I need time to be influenced by good mentors. I need to renew my mind. And so I take that time and I force myself because I know, gosh, I could pay the bills right now. Oh, I could schedule dentist appointments right now. Like, absolutely not. This matters. This is important. And I'm going to sit still and read for at least 20 minutes this book that I have in front of me. So it's just um, fighting for what I know is important, not just what I want to do. I'm not going to look at my phone. I know I don't feel filled when I'm just sitting there scrolling. So I try to be really, really kind of stiff about those those times to fill.
0: That's so good. I really hope that um, everyone listening, you know, whether you have little kids running around um, or not, I hope everybody has, has taken that in, that, that you've said um, this, it's really important that I take care of the input in my life and actually I love that you are directing your kids in that way. And I'm sure that wasn't the easiest thing to set up to be able to say, and I love that you give them the choice. You can read or rest. Um, and you use that word. You said, I need mentors. And I think we are, we are a world kind of starved for mentorship and discipleship. And you can find that in a book. And so I love that you shared that and you've said, it's not a time to pay bills. It's not a time to, um, and I think we can get tempted with the, I'm just going to, I'm just going to do this. I'm going to check this. I'm going to, um, and I know for me, that has been my, one of my big game changers has been, i um, just going for regular walks and they're kind of like my prayer and thoughtful walks. And I used to spend a lot of my time, my kid free time running errands and I had to basically stop. And so I, I made the choice to take my kids with me grocery shopping, um, even though that is less enjoyable for sure. And we probably come home sometimes with things we shouldn't have um, because I don't necessarily want to do that on my kid free time because I want to do things that are going to fill me up. And yes, sometimes I I run and grab something on my kid free time. Um, But it was kind of making that choice and saying, what does it look like to choose wisely? And you will actually see that fruit. And again, it may take a while to really see the fruit of that, but you will begin to see that fruit. So I love that, Katie. Um, Where can people find you? Where can people find your book and um just get a chance to check out your hair yeah
1: <laughs> that's the important one right um, they can find me at katiewestenberg.com online and i'm on facebook and instagram as i choose brave and the book i choose brave is available on amazon barnes and noble everywhere i guess books are sold
0: okay well thank you for being here love chatting with you and getting to know you a little bit more
1: yeah thank you jacqueline it was an honor to be here
0: Thanks so much for listening today. I really am so encouraged knowing how many of you are being encouraged by this message. And if you have found it helpful, would you mind just sharing it with a friend, leaving five stars or even a review wherever you listen to po- podcasts? podcasts, keeping it super professional. Um, if you want to connect more with me, Head over to Instagram, where I'm at Jacqueline.Widener. Or if you want some free resources, head over to my website at JacquelineWidener.com.